Welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you so much in this case today for watching. Um, go to pathtozion.com. That will shoot you directly over to the audio podcast. Again, we've been doing a few videos here and there throughout this weird season we're all in here in the world. Um, but go to pathtozion.com, won't you? There's over a year's worth of content. Uh, many weeks I post new episodes um, five days a week. So there is no shortage of things to look into. If you yourself are curious about what is the ancient way, we are trying to rediscover the ancient way. So would you join us in that endeavor? Thank you for listening. Email us at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question, a concern, a correction, hey, send it over. We are, I wouldn't say we're unoffendable, but we're close. The goal is for you to say anything you want to challenge me to say, hey, I don't, I don't see it. Like according to scripture now, like no, I don't believe it. Well, what we'll to put that over here? But questions are awesome. That's one of the reasons I know I exist is to ask questions and to listen to answers and then ask you a question and see what your answer is and say, how do we reason together to arrive at the word of the Lord? What is true? Okay, so today I'm not going to waste any time. My heart is very sober today. Um, if you listen to this program or watch the videos or know me personally, you might say, well, that's kind of all the time. Well, this is just very weird. This is very strange. I have spent the last three days doing multiple hours of study towards Passover. Um, I landed on so much information that like I literally started getting frustrated. I'd shoot off over here and then I'd shoot off over here and I felt like after about hour four, I was like, I'm getting out here on the on the fringes of Passover and I now these things are awesome and intriguing, but I feel like I'm getting out of the spirit of of wisdom within this exact hour. So I'm going to try my best to kind of keep us honed in. It's very difficult for me. I will admit from the very beginning. Um, also, there are people who are so much more educated towards this teaching, towards Passover than me. I am in no way the, the spokesperson for the feasts or for Hebraic understanding. Um, that is not who I am. But here's the thing, right? There are men in my life presently who could sit right here and literally blow your mind with content towards the, the depths within the understanding of the biblical Passover. I'm going to be down here. I'm just kind of, I'm going to deliver it kind of like in a way that it's revelational to me. It's new to me. I don't understand it all perfectly. There will be things in this that like I will say wrong. I will say, well, somebody could easily say, well, Joel, that I understand your heart, brother, but that didn't exactly happen the way you're saying. That's okay. That's very possible. In fact, I'd say it's likely that there will be something within this series that will be multiple parts that is just error. But you know what? I'm not afraid of that. So many people say, look, I have a doctrine, I have a belief, and if you come at me and you can't word for word like show me a verse that I already understand and align it with what you're saying, I'm out of here. Listen, that is such a deceptive way for, for us who really do try to study to show ourselves approved, to be men like really 
knowing what we believe and why, according to what. And like this is a valuable thing, but it becomes a problem. And the way I try to explain this to people, my doctrine, my beliefs, I have got to have these solidified. We are in an age where anything goes, for the most part. Mainstream Christianity just says, hey, it doesn't really matter what you believe. Just believe in Jesus. We're not saying that, but what we are saying is, you know what? When my doctrine, when my beliefs become a wall between you and I, there's a problem. There's an issue when we say, I will not walk any further with you. We have a problem with our doctrines and our own understanding, which we have to all admit is very limited and at best incremental according to the the weight and substance of the entire truth. We all hold truth in part, in measure. And that's okay. That's freeing for us to what? To learn, to grow, to teach, to admonish, to correct, to receive correction, to constantly what? find ourselves postured and positioned to be men who are gleaning truth from the eternal word of God to study, to show ourselves approved, and to depend on the brotherhood, the plurality of believers to say, you know what? The word of the Lord might come through you, and guess what? It might offend me. It might find a place in me that, you know, I say, don't believe it. And then I have a choice. I have a decision to say, you know what? Do I want truth? And is my heart completely surrendered to the Father? Because we say what? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Our trust and dependence is not upon mere men and vessels of clay. It's upon the Lord speaking through broken vessels of men who are laboring to hear the word of the Lord. Laboring now. This is no passivity-based Christianity. That's got to go out the window. May that be on the other side of all this age, should there be another side where we actually have a chance to grow and mature and change and adapt a lot of our life patterns to like be free to seek truth, right? And to give one another room to say, you know what? Tell me how you see truth. Why? Because there might be something within your understanding that I lack that I've never known, that I've never understood rightly. Because listen, this book, this, this word of God is very, it's simple now, the simple gospel we want to talk about, it's so simple. It's very complex as well. It's equally deep and sourced in the mysteries of God and it takes some digging out. We're told that in the word. It's this treasure that's just like buried and you got to get in there and work the ground. You've got to sell everything you have to possess it and to own it and to take it into yourself and to literally ingest it to allow it to become part of who we are. So with that in mind specifically is why I, someone like me, in such limited understanding towards Passover would bite off a pretty, pretty hefty endeavor to talk about this topic. Why is that? Well, this isn't my sweet spot. Um, as I've said before, I'm no Hebraic guy. I'm not some, you know, I've not studied Torah for the last 25 years and all these things. Like this stuff started a year ago right now, oddly enough, right here where I'm sitting. In our small fellowship at the time, the Lord led my wife and I to start looking into Passover in a way we never had before. Not just the traditions and what you eat and what you say, but like what is the substance within the Passover and being a Passover people. God in his goodness led us to 
pursue what I found and, 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 and studied on and taught a message from um, the, the life of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, and about Passover, about the, the rediscovery of, you know what? I think we're the people of God. We've not known him. We've not known his laws. We've not known his statutes. We've not known his feasts. We've not come to him rightly from, according to the sacrificial offerings of our life. Therefore, all these things trickle down and equal to what? We don't know God. We don't know our Father. We don't know our Creator. And that resonated within me so much, and it continues to today, a year later now, about, you know what? Most people I know, my, much of my family, much of everybody in my past, throughout my Christian past, no one has ever talked about this stuff to me. No one's taught this. No one's expounded on it. No one has talked about anything but this just merely topical metaphorical reference of foreshadowing and foretelling of the real. That doesn't really mean anything. That's Old Testament now, Joel. Remember, it's old. You don't want anything old. So go with what Jesus accomplished and forget the rest. Now listen, when we do that, we abandon so much truth. And like I said in the, um, the preview message that I posted just a couple days ago as I was doing this study, I feel like, and then I'm going to get to the teaching, I promise. I feel like for the 46 years of 45 years of my life in the church, youth pastor, teaching, studying, loving studying, fascinated with how we become the New Testament church in Acts. How do we do that? At that time, I thought it was the ancient way. And I just knew this. I valued this. And this is New Testament now. This Old Testament, it's good to teach out of with on occasion. More so for just like impractical examples of how men used to please the Lord and how they used to be in God. But now... Eh, let's just be honest now. We, we live because of the way we've been taught in the Christian upbringing, especially if you're in America. That's just irrelevant. It's just an irrelevant account that's been replaced by now the real church. It was all just a precursor to the real. Can we not just say that? 99% of the wide way majority evangelical Christian American church says, you know what? Types and shadows, real church. Let's just be the real. We know this now, but it doesn't have any application in our lives. And I'm telling you, when we walk in this manner void of all of this incredible workings and patterns of how God dealt with his people, man, when I went from this to this, my entire Christian life changed, literally. And for this last 12, 13-ish months, I don't even have time. So that's why I feel like because of the gift of God now that like he himself brought to me, what I've been saying, man, I just hope I remember this for the rest of my days for this exact season we've been in. I did not pursue the ancient path. It has pursued me. I didn't pursue the ancient way, the people of God, how he breathed life into, we could say, one man, Abram. He revealed himself. He said, you know what? I'm washing my hands of humanity. The fall, Tower of Babel, days of Noah, mixing. You know what? God just said, can we just say doctrinally speaking, God said, literally, I quit. 
I've washed my hands of this humanity. I wish I had never even made them. But what does he do? In his goodness, in his kindness, because he desires a people to indwell a people, a nation, a distinct people, he says what? I'm going to handpick this man, Abram, and I'm going to make what? Descendants, seed. And what will those people be? They will be my people, my nation, my inheritance. Who's going to come and reap that inheritance, friend? The Son, Yeshua Messiah. So we cannot disconnect these two realms, if you will, these two ages, these two epochs of time. Now, they are separate and they are distinct in, the, in, the, in many approaches, yes, but they are not disengaged from one another. They are, the, the pattern of God is continual. His, his, his timeline, if you will, with humanity is perpetually perfect, which takes us to the perpetual Passover. So three things I just want to point out from the very beginning that my hope is, and my, in faith now, I'm believing will be the purpose within this teaching. The hidden mystery that's been revealed to me. In measure now, in measure. But I'm saying I believe for sure there are thousands of people out there who have not even heard of or understood the little bit that I have. Can we just say that and that be okay? I believe there is a measure of understanding towards spiritual principles, spiritual facts, historical accounts that all of us possess facets of, right? But what about the full? What about the full expression of, of the Word of God coming through a brother, coming through another component of the greater corporate body at large, bringing a, a facet, a piece, a component of the whole? That's what I have in faith that I could possibly do today. Number two, to erase the separation like I've already kind of alluded to, New Testament old. Elevate the importance of the continuity of the two. That will be an overreaching, overreaching principle within this Passover study, even though, again, I want to try to keep coming back Passover, Passover, Passover. I've got to be focused on Passover as a whole, or this will be 15 parts. But... You cannot escape the perpetuity of what was and what is. I would say in more specific, precise terms and verbiage, what started, what came through Messiah and came out the other way, come out the other side. I'm going to get into that in great measure in this study as well. To urge you is number three, to what? To consider asking if Passover has been overlooked at best, or entirely missed by the modern day church. Because here's the thing, right? The understanding really that gets promoted is Passover is for Jews. Easter is for Christians. Passover, Jewish people. Easter, Christian. They are not the same. Now that's absolutely sure. They are not synonymous in any way. Lent, Easter, all those things, they're not the same as Passover. We're not going to get into that. That's what one of the things this is not going to be about. This is not going to be exposing Easter as a pagan holiday and, and all these fests and, uh, festivals and feasts of men, basically is what they are, celebrations. Easter egg, where did Easter eggs come from? Do you know about the story of Nimrod and you know goddesses having babies? And That's intriguing and necessary. That's not in this though, okay? You need to know that now. You need to know why you cover the church parking lot with plastic Easter eggs full of candy and call them 
Resurrection eggs. No, it's foolishness. It's embarrassing is what it is. It's embarrassing that the church does these things. Easter eggs? Jesus. Huh. Why not? It's embarrassing. But that's not what this is going to be about. But they are, again, they are not the same. You have got, from this point on now, okay, maybe I should have said this before the Easter thing because I realize that gets all in people's business and people get so offended. How dare you say Easter and Lent aren't of the Lord? They've been around for, what, 1,800 years. Yeah, well, can we go back further? 1,800 years, now that's a long time ago now. But can we go back further to what preceded that? Because you know what, in the time, again, in the timeline of God, y'all, that is new. Ah, man, we got to get this through our heads. So I would say, uh, I should have said this before the Easter commentary, don't be offended. Check your heart and find out, like literally, am I postured to hear this guy, whoever he is, could he say something I don't know? Could he say something like, Man, I don't agree with that at all. But maybe it's true. Let's be a people like that. I love somebody saying, hey, this is probably going to offend. When I hear a teacher and they start off, they preface a teaching with like, this is going to fly in the face of your religious spirit that you've been just inbred into your brain for all of your days. I'm like, oh yeah, what's it going to be? Like, bring it, right? Because I am i don't want this regurgitated teaching that I've heard my whole life. It's like, Oh, yeah, heard that before. That already lines up with everything I already believe. What do we do with things that they come to us and we say, whoa, what do I do with that? This might do that for you. An invitation to the perpetual Passover. So where is Passover in this church age? It's a legitimate question. Think of your church, think of your fellowship, think of your Bible study, your home group, your prayer group, your men's study. Do you, have you been a part of a, an in-depth study of Passover? What they did, why they did it, how many people were there, where was it? What's the deal with the lamb? What's the deal with the priest? What's, what's, what happened at the original Passover in Egypt at the deliverance of the Israelites? What were they doing? Why were they doing that? More so than maybe a 20-minute sermon, you know, in October... And that's really all you hear about it. Again, Jewish. That's Jewish. We're not. I'm not Jewish. Look at me. I'm not Jewish. No, this isn't a Jewish thing in the sense of it's for a certain people. We're going to get to that right out of the gate here in mere moments. I'm at 18 minutes. I got to figure this out. Why is it considered by most just for the Jews? It's just for the Jewish people. It's old. We're Christians, you know. We do Easter. We don't do Passover. I know what it is. Don't you tell me. Well, let's just, let's just take that and just set it down over there. Take a deep breath. And remember, it's okay, right? Passover, as I'm learning, is very special every year. Every year, it's special. It's on the biblical calendar for a reason. We're going to get to all these scriptures, man. This, this, this might take some time. Many know this fully well, but most people don't. Most people don't know as far as like the perpetuity of the Passover. It was an event, Israel. It was kind of, but man, most people don't even get 
the, the event that it was in Yeshua Messiah, Jesus. We just, well, we know, we know about Israel in Egypt, kind of. And we know Jesus did some, what was that? Last Supper thing? I've seen that painting, which isn't even accurate, of course. Yeah, I've seen that painting. Jesus hanging out with his disciples. Something about a cup, and he's drinking it. He's the blood. Oh, God, gory. I don't know. Everybody's confused. Yeah, I know. We're not talking about that now. Why in the world has it been so just kind of left out here, I would say, in mystery? So last year, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of do this. We're going to make this part one. I want, I want, because this means something now. This isn't just me rambling. A year ago, almost to the day, um, our family's been on this journey of like, I don't know, just Hebraic understanding, curiosity, learning, studying, giving ourselves to teachers and, and there's something unknown within this that the Lord is just blowing our minds with. And my wife and son started learning Hebrew. I'm finally catching on. I'm a little slow. We started listening to Hebrew music. And one of the songs that was being sung was goes to the chorus where it, it, it repeats this phrase in Hebrew now, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. As I heard that song for the very first time here and thankfully in the privacy of my own home, I didn't know what they were saying. Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. But something in my spirit, now this may this freaks people out and say, well, are you sure you're just not emotional? You know, the mind assesses things and responds with emotion based on assessment. Something supernatural, spiritual now, that's like a spirit event, isn't influenced by mere emotion. Something in me was stirred. I began to weep and walked down my hallway back and forth. I had to go back to... Um, our living room, because I was just weeping, hearing this re repetition of Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. What? And then literally out of my mouth, I remember clearly like, God, what is going on? What in the world are you saying? Right at, This is right after I did this study and the teaching on Hezekiah, the second chance people of God, a, a, re a returning to the people of God, a remembering, a recalling, I'm just becoming this wreck of a man. What are you doing with this Hebraic weirdness, right? I've since learned that this is all about the Passover lamb. As the lambs were brought in, you know, in between, in between Yeshua and the first Passover with Egypt and the people, and we're going to get to that, the blood on the doorposts and all these things. They kept the Passover. It was a monumental memorial before Yahweh God. And they would say this phrase as the lambs were being led in to be sacrificed on Passover. This holy day, this marked day. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is what they said when Yeshua rode in on the donkey, on the colt. Why? Because that's what they had already always been doing. There's no new idea. We're going to address that so much here. It's no new idea. 
They didn't see the Lamb, capital L, Messiah, and have a revelation of a new religion. No. The connection. And what did they say? We're going to get to this, but I can't help myself. Hosanna. Now, I don't know. You may know what Hosanna means. I thought I did. I thought Christmas time, Hosanna in the highest. Angels are singing, right? Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah, I guess. Yeah, praise to God. It's much more complex than that. (laughs) We'll get to that. It's a desperate cry for deliverance. Why would they do that? Because of the Passover lambs coming in to be sacrificed, to memorialize their deliverance back all the way back in Egypt. And so when they were doing that and Yeshua Messiah comes in, oh man, I hold myself back. We'll get to that as well. But that's where it started. So this is very special to me. This is very intimate for me. Like right here, right now, Passover is in mere days. Man, I am stirred, we'll say. It is a distinct marked day. As we see in the account in Exodus chapter 12. Go read these passages, please. I don't care if you've read them 50 times from your like just New Testament Christian thinking. Go read them again. Exodus chapter 12. And this is what it says. It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. So it's a night of remembrance for the Lord did something on the behalf of his people. This night, this night, Passover, is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel for a year or two. Oh, no. Oh, for 20 years. No. Okay. Okay. Oh, this is, this is what it says. This night, Passover, is for the Lord. Okay, yes. Amen. It's for the Lord. It's His. It's, it's a gift. It's a memorial to Him to be observed by all the sons of Israel until the Messiah comes right? That's what I've been taught. No. It is to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. Oh man, we're going to drive this point home with a 50-ton sledgehammer to make this point in our thinking, to make it crystal clear. We've got to know, is this us? Are we sons of Israel? Or are we Christian Americans? I've got to say that right out of the gate. That's on page three, but like I got to throw that out there right now because you got to decide now before you even move to part two. Are you a Christian American? Are you a son of Israel? We have to decide. We have to know our identity. So much of this Passover stuff we're going to get to is about identity. Knowing who you are, therefore, you know what you observe. You keep The commands of God because of what? Because you understand your identity. Right now, most of Christian America has this such a loose identity. We're just in Jesus. And you go ask most people, what does that mean? What does it mean to be in Jesus? Well, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I'm I'm the New Testament church. Maybe they'll say I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe they've been born of the water. Maybe. Well, but what 
how do you know what to do? I do what Jesus did. Don't you see my bracelet? Yeah, but what is that? What did he do? He was Jewish. He kept Torah. He didn't eat pork. Oh, 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 done. Right back to the understanding that is way off that says, hey, I guess I'm not a son of Israel. And then we have a real doctrinal issue about the grafting in principle. We are either in and the same, or we are out here somewhere and we're not in. We've got to know this from the very beginning. We've got to have an understanding, like in here now, not according to our own understanding that we don't lean upon, but something of like the spirit within us, bearing witness with the fullness of the scriptures saying what? Our identity. Who are we? Who are we not any longer? We have to know these things for any of this stuff to make a bit of sense. Exodus 11 tells us what? There would be one last plague. Yahweh God speaks to Moses. He says, look, okay, things are changing. Look, you've gone to Pharaoh. Man, ding, 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 ding. how many times? He says, yes, go. Oh, wait, no, come back. Go, go, go. Oh, no, just kidding. Yeah, y'all get out of here. No, come back. More labor. But God says, okay, the Lord Yahweh says, look, there's one more plague coming and it's, the, it's, it's it. This is the one. This is going to turn the tide, if you will. It's for real changing now. He foretold Moses what he would do and how he would bring it about. He, Yahweh God, would deliver his people. He says in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Exodus, Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here completely. So in other words, Moses could move on that word. Why? Clear. Yahweh says, hey, this is it. One more plague, you're out. Prepare yourself. In other words, like, this isn't another back and forth. God, Yahweh God spoke to the leader Moses and says, hey, y'all get ready. This is it right here. I'm going to give you some instruction. There's some things you're going to have to do. But listen, this plague that's coming next, it's for real. And it's going to turn things into, in towards the favor of my people. But there are much, there are many parameters. Strict guidelines now. If this is going to spare you and deliver you and bring judgment upon your enemies. And listen, I'm going to end this here in part one. But listen, this is one thing we've got to realize. We're going to get this as clear as I'm capable of doing, which hopefully will be well enough. There is a plague and a pestilence on the earth right now in this hour. Right now. We're going to come back and keep highlighting this just to keep reminding us of the age we're in, the hour, the minute we're in right here, right now. Because this is what we've got to understand and give ourselves to asking questions. All right, God, why? Why is there... I taught on this. If, you, if you've not looked at it, go back and check out the purpose in the pestilence study that I did, which talks about the hand of the Lord, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, the spoken word of the Lord, very synonymous with the pestilence that comes to bring judgment, correction, to bring his people back in. It demonstrates his word. So here we are, ironically enough, right at Passover, there is a plague on the earth. Mere coincidence? Can any one of us really just say, 
Yeah, so? Big deal. What else you got? Man, I'm telling you, if that doesn't make you like, yeah, plague, pestilence, judgment, go into the house, close the door, put blood on the lintel and the doorpost, Passover, holy cow. Yeah, I'm in. I'm interested. Listen, we've got to get ourselves like out of this limited natural mindset of, eh, people are just sick and dying. I'm just going to watch the news. No. Unplug from all that stuff. Give our attention to what the Word of God is speaking. And more importantly, according to that, what the Spirit is saying in this hour. We're going to come and we're going to make this part one. Wrap it up. We'll come back and do part two. I'm just going to do this. Please, please stay, stay with us. Subscribe up here if you've not done that before. Check out the... Um, what is it? The purpose in the pestilence study. If you haven't, at least give it a listen. Maybe, maybe there's some truth within it. I don't know. It is for me. But listen, would you please stay along? This I'm telling you. I say this all the time. People, I think, just kind of, all right, Joel, calm down, buddy. I believe these things can change our lives. I believe they can literally change us and move us from here to here to here. I think it can do that. But we have to give ourselves to it. We have to be willing. We have to be postured to receive what the Lord is saying. So be encouraged. Go to pathdesign.com. Hey, if you think this has any potential for anything good, come back. Share it with someone. There are millions of believers on the face of this earth that know nothing about Passover. It is time for us to hear what the Lord has been saying and is saying today. Amen.